This is the Ty Butler Show on 98.7 ESPN. And what a beautiful day it is in New York City on this Sunday afternoon, April 2nd. Feels good to be out here. We're going until 5.30 because the Knicks and the Wizards uh, will be in action tonight at the Garden. I'll actually be headed to that game after the show. Knicks looking to clinch a playoff spot with a win. We will talk about that. So that is exciting. We've got uh, the National uh, Championship in action for the women's LSU up 27-22 to over Iowa, and everyone's on Caitlin Clark watch because she's just been on fire. 14 points in the first quarter where her team down by five, so we'll keep you posted on that. The Mets right now, uh, one out away from taking three of four in Miami. I should say three outs away because they're still batting in the top of the ninth. They're up 5-1, but it looks like they'll take three of four in Miami and that's a, a a nice start to the season because uh, before you you throw a, a pitch in the regular season, you hear Justin Verlander is going to be out for some time, and you're thinking, oh, here we go again. Uh, but that's a, a sensation to start for the New York Mets. But where we do have to start, 800-919-3776. That's the phone number. Ty D. Butler on Twitter and Instagram. Got to start with what just happened in the Bronx because, I mean, this could have been a different kind of weekend. You go back to the offseason season where you see the tweet that uh, was nightmarish uh, put out there about Aaron Judge headed to San Francisco, and you're thinking, oh, boy, Aaron Judge at his apex with with the Yankees, and they weren't able to come close to winning a championship. So imagine what their window looks like now that he's gone. He's going to come back to the Bronx first weekend of the season. This just has disaster written all over it. But, of course, fast forward to now, and with Aaron Judge in the lineup with two home runs this weekend, the Yankees take two of three to start the season at home against San Francisco. Uh, San Francisco Coming up next, you've got the NL defending champion Philadelphia Phillies coming to town, a little homecoming uh, for Rob Thompson as he returns for the first time. I believe this is the first time uh, since the Yankees uh, you know, let him go when he was on the, the Girardi staff. But uh, it, it's a good start for the Yankees, taking two of three. And we knew the question marks coming into the season were that of could this team, I guess, tread water because you've got significant injuries. Three-fifths of your rotation with Frankie Montas, Carlos Rodon, and Luis Severino are out. You've got some injuries to your bullpen with Lou Trevino and Tommy Canely. And it's a bullpen that already came in with, the, with question marks. So now you're compromised. What are you getting from... Anthony Volpe at shortstop. He's a rookie. Josh Donaldson looking to rebound. So there were a lot of questions coming into the season. None of them have been answered three games into the year. But it's just a feel-good series victory for the Yankees, taking two of three from San Francisco. And it hit, what, four home runs this afternoon? But really the story to me was the start by Johnny Brito, the the 25-year-old rookie from DR who was thrust into this rotation because of all of the, you know, aforementioned injuries. Five innings, two hits, six strikeouts, and that that's what you got to do. You, you got to rely on guys who you really hadn't heard of up until spring training to carry you because this is a team that is expected still to win a championship, but they're dealing with a little bit of the injury bug. So if you're leaving Yankee Stadium right now following that 6 nothing victory over the Giants, hit us up, 800-919-3776. And again, on social media, I'm on Twitter, Ty D. Butler, Instagram as well, T-Y-D-B-U-T-L-E-R. Aaron Judge mentioned him. People wondered, like, what was he going to look like post getting the big contract? Are we going to start to see the injuries come in and him not be the same player? Well, how about two home runs this weekend? So, I mean, is is there a chase for 70? 
Stanton, another home run as well. And so the, the two the two power hitters uh, on this team who you expect most from showing early that uh, they, they've got uh, – they're a force to be reckoned with. Gleyber Torres actually led off today's game, and he went one for three. It's a big season for him as well, a guy who has been involved in trade rumors. So you expect to see him go out there and perform the Yankees – uh, I guess dangled him a little bit last year at the trade deadline. Who knows how much it affected him, but if they are going to be a successful team, you really need him to be in there, both offensively and defensively, holding down the fort. So I'm excited uh, just f- for baseball season to be underway. It's a little bit different. I would say that baseball has become the third sport in this country behind football and basketball. But I don't think any opening day has the same feel as the MLB opening day. It's sort of like that NBA on Christmas, that football on Thanksgiving, where, you know, baseball, it's just kind of like a holiday. There's no vibe like it. So it's it's exciting to have it back here. And every night, you know, for the next six months, uh, you can turn on your television and have it, have it right there. So uh, it's excited to talk to the Yankee fans. I do want to throw this out there as well, the 800-919-3776, because I know we're coming off a win, and I don't want to be that guy, but I, I do want to take the temperature of the fan base just in, in this regard. Are we in that danger zone for Yankees fandom? And what do I mean by that? It, it is well-documented that this team is 13 years removed from their last World Series appearance, and it's actually the third longest streak in franchise history. The longest was 18. That was early 1900, so that almost doesn't count. You go back to the 80s, and they had it was 14 years without getting to the World Series. Either way you slice it, for most Yankee fans, this is uncharted territory, so I come in here wondering, like, is this going to be the type of season where it's like, eh, Wake me up when it's October. I don't care what happens in the regular season. I don't care how many home runs Judge hits this regular season. I don't care how many wins this team has or how how much uh, of a lead they have in this division. Wake me up in October. Wake me up when it's time to play the Houston Astros. How much do Yankee fans actually care about the regular season? Now, it's because it just started. You're still living off of that, of that honeymoon phase. As I mentioned, you got the Phillies coming up. They won the National League last year, so this is a nice little early test for you. But keeping Yankee fans engaged won't be the issue because I I do think two things can happen simultaneously. You can enjoy the regular season, but also have your finger on that, you know, trepidation button about what's going to ultimately transpire in October because we've seen this team time and time again, you know, win 100-plus games only to be bounced in in the playoffs by the quote-unquote better team, and now you have fans wondering, when are we going to be the better team? Because you do have an organization that if you ask them, they had, they, they think they have the best GM managerial uh, tandem. So why hasn't it exactly resulted in the ultimate playoff success that is winning a World Series? So I just thought I'd throw that out there. You can enjoy it, because I did feel like Yankee fans got a bad rap last year for not enjoying the 52-18 and 18 start. Uh, but it, it's also something that is in the back of your mind as you're watching the season unfold. When is the shoe going to drop? Not in the regular season, but in the playoffs. Like how, how do we get to this team being one of the favorites to win the title 
to, you know, after three games of a division series against the Guardians, you're trailing. And you need Carrot Cole to, to save your season. So that's just what, what Yankee fans are looking at. But we are reacting to a victory. 800-919-3776. I found this interesting. So IKF got the start today in center field. And we know that Anthony Volpe, congratulations to him, by the way, picked up two hits yesterday. So he's got the, the first major league hit under his belt. And we know once he gets on base, there's going to be some movement. It's, that's going to be exciting. That's going to be the exciting part of, or one of the exciting parts of the game that he brings to this team. Because it has, in recent years, eluded them. And that's from the standpoint of having someone on, on base who can really make some noise. Who can, who can cause trouble for opposing teams because of his speed and his ability to you know, steal multiple bases. Uh, so with Volpe coming up, you know, it, it was the combination of us being excited for, you know, this this blue chipper who we've heard all about. And by the way, just pause real quick. The Mets, it's official. They beat the Marlins 5-1, to one, so they're 3-1 and one to start the season. So the Volpe noise, we're excited about it because he's a young prospect. We've heard all about him. He comes up. But the other part of it was we don't have to see IKF anymore at shortstop. And that's no disrespect to him. But, you know, with the, the history of the Yankees, shortstop, important position, and what we saw last year was less than stellar. So he started in center field today, meaning he lost his job this past year to a rookie, or this past spring training to a rookie. I'm old enough to remember the Yankees telling us all last year how great he was defensively. He was a stud defensively. And then, of course, they benched him in the playoffs in the biggest games of the year, and now this year he loses his job to a rookie. Uh, so, you know, that was cute, them trying to sell us on how great he was defensively. So good he was, they converted him to an outfielder, and now that's where he's going to find his time. I'm sure he'll get some spot starts in the infield, but he's going to be that utility player who comes in and, and is just going to play everywhere and, and be that. Uh, that's going to be the value he brings to this team. The IKF thing last year did not work, so now you have Volpe in there, and the expectations are high, but I do think, and it's tough, it is tough to be a young player in this in this market, especially for a team that's contending for a championship and, you know, trying to to grow and evolve and go through. Like, remember, when, when Jeter first came up, he struggled. It, there, there were some struggles there, and he obviously goes on to become a Hall, Hall of Famer. But with this Yankee team, you got to really exercise some patience when it comes to him because this is a big spot he's coming into. And it's not just the pressure of being the shortstop of the New York Yankees. It's not just the fact that he was so highly touted. But part of it is the Yankees really told you they weren't ready to part with him for anybody. Anyone who became available who could have helped this team win a championship uh, and, and teams were asking for Volpe, they just said no. So now that shifts our focus to, okay, if we're not going to part with this guy in hopes of winning a championship, then he better be something special. He better be something special. So there's a lot of pressure on him, but it looks like so far he's comfortable and he's going to find his way and he's going to have, to, he's going to have an opportunity to grow with this team. You got, to give him, you got to give him a chance. You got to show some patience because it's not going to click that quickly. He's still very, very young. But, you know, for him to come in and be surrounded by so much talent with, you know, Judge and Rizzo, Stan, I mean, all all up and down the lineup, there's a lot of talent there. So he'll, he'll have his opportunity to come in and shine right away. 800-919-3776, Ty D. Butler on Twitter. I want to talk about the pace of play 
I believe I saw this on Twitter that the, this game, two hours and 33 minutes, it was a 1.30 start in the Bronx. Pace of play became a huge topic of conversation you know, early in spring training because of all the rule changes. And I know some people were, and I would say it was more so the, the baseball purists were kind of against changing the way the game was played. But I mean, how could you complain? I was at Yankee Stadium for the opener this past Thursday. And, I mean, boy, was it flying by. I took my family to the game and actually missed. I mean, look, between getting into the stadium, waiting online, getting my family into our seat situation, going online for the concession stands and, and doing all of that, I missed the first three innings. <laughs> I missed the first three. I missed the judge home run. It, it happened as I was standing you know, standing in line. So that just goes to show you how quickly these games are going. And, and I looked at my, my watch in an hour into the game, we're already halfway through this thing. And my wife even said to me, she's like, this is this is flying by. This is a different brand of baseball. And folks have to remember, if you're like hesitant when it comes to accepting it, you're not losing baseball. You're, you're just cutting down on the downtime. There was just too much downtime where you lost focus. You you lost the ability to, to have something that was just engaging for the entirety of the game. So I think baseball's done an excellent job with that. And on opening day, it came across these numbers. The average time of game, two hours, 45 minutes, down from last year's season average of, of 3.06. And opening day last year was 3.16. Ten games on opening day played in under three hours. Just two season openers were last year. And the shortest game of the day uh, was 2.14. You had the, the Tigers and Rays and then the Guardians and Mariners. I, I love the rule changes in baseball. I love that the pitchers aren't getting all that time in between pitches because it's just it, with all these other things happening and smartphones and distractions and you look at the other sports when their scoring is up in the NFL scoring is up in the NBA you see hockey is you know highly contested it's back and forth you can't take your eye off the screen baseball because of its slower pace it only can do so much but part of the fix, you know, was addressed. And and I think it's, it's an excellent thing that the sport has done. So if you're complaining, I really don't get it. I, I did hear someone call DNR, DPH on Rothenberg, complain about games not being long enough. Like, I want to sit in a stadium for three hours. Why would you want to do that? Like, if, even if you love the game, I, I just don't understand the idea that it being it's not like you're it would be different if we're saying instead of playing nine innings you're gonna play seven now that that's ridiculous you're not losing any amount of baseball being played you're just down you know you're just downsizing on the elapsed time and, and I think that I don't I don't know how that can be controversial I love it and actually so I took my son to the game his his first ever a professional sporting event, and I thought it was apropos. The first team that I ever fell in love of, of with of, of all the sports was the New York Yankees. You know, I'm a, a Jets and Lakers fan, but the Yankees was the first team I fell in love with, so I thought it was apropos to take him to his first professional game and it being the Yankees, my first ever opening day. He got it at 21 months old, so, you know, that must be nice for him. But the, well, part of the plan was Yankee Stadium has this, like, children's play area that you could take the kids to to have fun. We ran out of time. We didn't even have time to do that between getting to our seats, sitting down, eating, trying to enjoy the game. 
you know, it just just was no time to go to the play area. So I, I, I love what the sport is doing. I don't know if it's going to necessarily translate into you winning over new fans, but for the fans that you do have and some of the ca- – the diehards aren't going anywhere. The casual observers and those who are, you know, tuning in on a night-to-night basis who might not be – you know, as passionate as the diehards, I think it'll it'll provide a difference for them. I, I don't know that it's going to win anyone over who isn't a, a fan of baseball, but the change has definitely been felt immediately. 800-919-3776, we are reacting to the Yankees winning 6 nothing at the stadium. They take two of three in the Bronx this weekend. Funny you play that, that, that the Yankee chime. So my son, so Aaron Judge hit an RBI bloop single. I want to say it was about the sixth inning, and those chimes scared the heck out of my kid. He just, the noise, I don't know, it was something about those chimes. baby! He just did not like it. He is screaming, tears falling from his face. Check out the video on Instagram, Tidy Butler. Uh, we are acting to the Yankees winning, 6 nothing. Brilliant start from the rookie Johnny Brito. Much needed with the injuries to this rotation. 800-919-3776. We're going to 530, leading you into Knicks Wizards. We'll get to basketball as well right here on 98.7 ESPN. This is the Ty Butler Show on 98.7 ESPN. The Knicks are going to clinch a playoff spot tonight. I'm not jinxing it. The Wizards are without... Their three best players in Beal Kuzma and Kristaps Porzingis. Knicks favorite, I believe, by 12 points. They should win that one easily. They're going to clinch a playoff spot tonight. The Nets, who are in action right now, uh, will be in the playoffs. And they are right now hosting the Jazz. They're up nine as they head to the second, uh, toward the end of the second quarter. So it looks like because of Miami's struggles of late, the Nets are going to be locked into that six seed. Not not definitively, but it looks like that's what we're trending towards. So you have the Knicks and Nets both in the playoffs. The Yankees and Mets both enter the season with World Series aspirations. The Jets, if we can somehow find a way to get this Aaron Rodgers deal done, uh, will be a not just a playoff team, but in that championship contender conversation next year. The Giants made the playoffs last year. The Rangers looking to go on a run, and Islanders, Devils. So, so along with all the beautiful weather, we've got our sports teams who we've complained about for so long finally, finally trending toward giving all of their respective fan bases, and some of them obviously have crossover Something to be happy about, something to cheer about, something to, you know, call radio stations to express joy over and not just, we suck, we suck, we suck. 800-919-3776. We will make our our way toward the Nick conversation because we do have to talk about what happened on Friday night in Cleveland. And boy, was that a bad sign for the Cavs. Uh, So we'll do that at 800-919-3776. Hit me up on Twitter, Ty D. Butler, Instagram as well. We go to the phone lines and talk to uh, a staple, we call him batting leadoff, and that is Richard in Manhattan. No history lesson, Richard. What do you got for me? Hi, Ty. What what a night last night was, the NCAA tournament. Awesome. It was, it was you know, Ty, I've watched since 66 when UTEP won the uh, tournament with Pat Riley, and they beat the Adolph Rupp uh, Kentucky team. Anyway, last night was the first time Two unheralded programs that far in the NCAA tournament put on a performance. 
you know, before the tournament, before the tournament, everyone was saying, well, you like the upsets in the beginning, but for the final four, you want to see the blue bloods. You want to see the best team. Well, I'll tell you what. It doesn't matter who the best teams. It only matters who's playing best at that time. And last night's game, that San Diego State, uh, uh, Florida Atlantic game, was one of the greatest games I've ever seen. And considering it came from two teams, unheralded as they are, mm-hmm. what a performance. That kid shot that went up, Butler. Yep. And he's a defensive yeah, player. That I was kid just going to say, he was, he's, he's mostly known for his defense. And He's he almost, a Gary Payton type player. I hope that guy makes it in the. And did you see his form and the confidence man. and the way he shot the ball? Look at the pictures in the newspaper. Look yeah. at it on TV. He knew exactly how much time he had left to get the shot off. He shot it off with perfect form. It was unbelievable. The game was great. I felt bad for the Atlantic uh, for the Florida Atlantic team, mm-hmm. but it was one of the greatest games. And considering both teams as unheralded as they were. To put on a performance like that, it was fantastic. Now, watching UConn, they look so org- I mean, they look so disciplined. Look you know, when you watch when you watch college kids, they usually look like it's like a fire drill, a little a fire drill, a little haphazard, and you know, off the cuff shots and take whatever they can get. These kids in UConn, they have a plan every time they go up and down the floor, let alone they play great defense. But their offensive scheme, I mean, they look like a pro team. Of course, they don't have the pro talent, but the way they play, the way this guy Hurley has them trained. So we're setting up tomorrow for a game that, you know, seven-point favorites UConn is, but, you know, it's a team that, uh, a big overwhelming favorite, UConn. They haven't won by less than 13 points mm-hmm. in four, in five straight games. And San Diego State coming out of nowhere. We may have the first mid-major team since that 1966 team, since University of Texas El Paso yeah, won it. I, or I, Tech- I don't think it's going to happen. I appreciate the call. U- UConn just looks unbeatable right now. You mentioned all five of their wins coming by double digits. This is just a team, you know, we say on a mission, and that becomes a cliche, but uh, the, to, it's not just what they're doing, the level of dominance that they're exuding while they're on the court. So, I look, the San Diego State uh, story has been awesome, and Lamont Butler actually looked like he almost stepped out of bounds last night, hit one of the most memorable shots you'll ever see. It was a 14-point deficit that they turned into a, a win coming back to, to, to end that Cinderella run for FAU, and it was just an incredible shot. It was an incredible moment, and as we just talked about, this guy, Lamont, known for his defense, pulls up with, and looked like, and you say he looked like he knew what he was doing. If you're an Aztec fan, you're watching that, and you're thinking, oh, my God, dude, look at the shot clock. It's about to expire. The game clock's about to expire. And he found a way to get the form, and the fundamentally it was the sound of a shot uh, that you'll see in a big moment like that, and he nailed it. And it, it is obviously heartbreaking for FAU, and I think I read a headline today. They're not hanging their head. Listen, if I was on that team, I'd be hanging my head. That is a devastating way to lose a game, devastating. You're up by one with the ball, eight seconds left to go in the game, Drive into the lane, it looked like it got blocked, come back the other way and to lose in the final four in a buzzer beater, that is devastating. That is absolutely heartbreaking. But uh, San Diego State absolutely deserving uh, of being where they are right now. Tough challenge ahead. Remember, this is a a program that had never prior to the season made it past the Sweet 16. And at that Mountain West, 
had never had a Final Four team. This team, this this current team doesn't have a single top 100 recruit. So this is an awesome story, and I just I you gotta applaud them for what they've been able to do. I just don't see them beating UConn. U- UConn going for that fifth championship. Dan Hurley, whatever, what a job he's done. That they just look unbeatable right now. They look unbeatable right now. Quick update on the women's hoops going on right now on ESPN. I got Ryan Rucco on the call. Uh, LSU's got a 17-point lead at halftime. Caitlin Clark's doing the best that she can, 16 points. She's already hit four threes, five assists, got four turnovers. Uh, Tigers just might be a better team. Tigers might just be a better team. 17-point deficit at the half. So look for Caitlin Clark to do everything in her power to bring her team back to try to win this championship. Uh, but we will keep you posted on that. Do got to give a shout-out before we get back to the phone calls to Kadai Senga, who in his major league debut for the Mets this afternoon pitched uh, quite a gym. Uh, he he was great for the Mets. Five and a third, one run, eight strikeouts, three walks. And that's a legitimate weapon for the Mets. We know Verlander's going to be out for some time. They still do have Scherzer. But that rotation... I mean, you lose DeGrom, and look, he's an all-time great pitcher, but for what he gave you the last couple of years, did you really lose much? I know Verlander is hurt right now, but right at this moment, I don't think you're overly concerned uh, about him. It looks like he is going to you know, resume throwing at some point this month, but if this team can stay healthy... Man, they've, they've got a legitimate rotation. You worry about not having that extra back. Carlos Correa would have been great uh, on this team. You worry about their offense. Their bullpen is going to take a hit without Edwin Diaz, though they still do have uh, David Robertson, who we know uh, as Yankee fans has the ability to, to close big games, uh, even at an advanced age. That's a legitimate team. And for both the Mets and the Yankees, don't kid yourselves. It is like at the very least you have to get to the World Series. You have to. The expectations have to be getting to the World Series. Let's not get it. Let's not get it twisted. Jonathan in Los Angeles. What's up, Jonathan? What's up, DB? How's it going, man? I'm chilling, man. What's going on? Talk to me. Cool, cool. Uh, I just got back to LA this morning from opening day. I took oh, my nice. wife, my son. It was it was my son's uh, first opening. I was hoping I see you. I was gonna catch up. You should have hit uh, me up on Twitter, good. man. You should have hit me up. Uh, I don't got Twitter. I only got IG. You should have hit me on IG. I would have. I would have definitely pulled up to meet you in the family. Had my son there. Man, had the wife I ain't want to be a creep like that. Like, oh man, hope nah, that you see man. me. Nah, man. Nah, man. Next time, I, I know. I, I don't know when the next time it'll happen that we'll be in the stadium at the same time. But yeah, that, that would have been cool, man. I hope you guys enjoyed it. It was a great game. Great game for, for us Yankees. It fans. was. It was. It was, bro. It was. But next time for sure, man. It was. But yeah, man. Like you said, I just went for a quick soda. And before you know it, it was an inning and a half already. Good thing we had a good dinner. Like Dave Rothenberg said, in order to go to a game nowadays, you got to have a good dinner, good go into the stadium full, make sure, because <laughs> you're going to miss most of the uh, inning or two. But uh, regarding the Yankees, man, these new guys like Brito or these new relief pitchers or, or let's say starting pitching, I think it's good for the team because these guys are going to come up hungry. They're going to want to prove themselves. Not only that, it's going to give the Yankees more options later on when Seve comes back, when Rodon comes back. They're going to think, oh, we still got this kid Brito. Not only that, we still going to have more weapons. Maybe we could try we'll try to trade them later in the later in the, in the the trade deadline. But I think it's good for the team. I think we take it slow. As long as everyone is healthy, that's the number one thing, man. Going October healthy because I think this team is capable. I'm not being – hopefully I'm not being biased, but I think this team is on paper should – 
We should go all the way, man. I'm tired of just sitting second to the Astros, man. We should go all the way. And one quick thing, too, TD. I know this is off. Uh, uh, what do you think about the Lakers? The Lakers, uh, they're creeping up, man. I think they we got a chance to go all the way. They are creeping up, and <laughs> I appreciate it. Have a good one, bro. Appreciate the call and the love. We'll talk basketball in the 5 o'clock hour, so I'll answer that the Laker part of that question later. Uh, but as far as the Yankees are concerned, you should have every expectation that this team will – perform in the playoffs that they, they for a reason are the favorites of any team who didn't win the world series to come out the american league now that's just a fancy way of saying only the astros have a better uh have better odds of coming out the american league than the new york yankees and you'll say they lost verlander cy young uh altuve's out the first couple of months with with the uh broken finger it just feels like the Astros lose guys and never take a step back. And it's become something of a psychological advantage they have over the Yankees because the Yankees just can't beat them. We saw 15 the wild card game, 17 the American League Championship Series, 19 the American League Championship Series, and of course last year. They just own the Yankees in the regular season and in the postseason. So I'm of the mindset, I, I keep picking the Yankees to beat them in the playoffs. I even said that last year I wanted the Astros in the playoffs. Folks took that as some sort of hot take, which I don't understand. It was just preference. Like, the they have unfinished business against this team. I want to beat them in route to winning a championship. It's not a hot take. It's not crazy to say you want you want to beat the best team. Uh, but I keep falling into that trap of picking the Yankees. I got to see them beat the Astros first. Uh, until further notice, uh, this is their league. The, the Houston Astros, this is their league. They own the Yankees. And we've got to see them beat them before I can go out there and pick them to win a World Series. Uh, you brought up the injuries to you know Severino and Rodon, and you said they'll be back. So here's the thing about Luis Severino before we get to a break. Luis Severino, when he's on the mound, quite literally is one of the best pitchers in baseball. You, you watch between his stuff and what he's able to do. He's one of the best pitchers in baseball when he's on the mound. Here's the problem. He's really on the mound. He's thrown 120 innings in the last four years. So at this point, expecting him to remain healthy for any extended period of time, it's foolish. It's something that we can fantasize about because, again, when he's on the mound, he's fantastic. And behind Garrett Cole, if you can give me Luis Severino, Carlos Rodon, uh, you know, Nestor Cortez, that is a, as legitimate of a rotation as you're going to get in baseball. Severino, I just have no confidence in him. And the only saving grace coming into the season mentally for us was was a contract year for him. So he's going to do everything in his power to put up the best possible profile in, in pursuit of getting a big-time contract. But his body just continues to fail him. So until I see Luis Severino last for an extended period of time, as an impactful pitcher on this team, I just don't have any confidence that's going to get done. 800-919-3776. Back to your phone calls when we get back right here on 9870 ESPN. This is the Ty Butler Show on 98.7 ESPN. We're leading you into pregame between the Knicks and the Wizards live from Madison Square Garden. The Knicks have a chance to clinch a playoff spot uh, with a win tonight, that magic number had been reduced to one on Friday night after the win in Cleveland. Could have gotten in via Miami losing last night. They beat the Mavs, but I guess it worked out because now if you're headed to the Garden, 
here's an opportunity for you to at home against a bad team, which the Knicks should, you know, blow out of the water. Watch this team clinch on their home court, and it, it is exciting. It is something that is worthy of being celebrated because, I mean, let's be let's be quite honest about what, where you are in the pecking order. You're not the Bucks, you're not the Celtics, you're not the Warriors. Teams that you know have won championships, been to the finals, where you know simply celebrating playoff berths feel beneath you. You're a Nick team that, what you have one playoff series win the last two decades, and you're looking to. change that this year so uh, getting into the postseason is a step a, a big step because I believe Vegas had the Knicks before the year 37 and 37 and a half wins 37 and a half wins before the season and now look you're you're 45 and 33 with the fifth seed pretty much locked in the Nets can technically catch you if you fall apart at the end and they would have to keep winning, but it, it would appear we're headed toward the Knicks and the Cavs being the 4-5 matchup in the playoffs, and that's going to set up for something spectacular. I actually watched Pelicans-Clippers last night, and you know there's intrigue there in the 4-5 matchup because with the loss that the Clippers had last night to New Orleans, guess what the 4-5 matchup in the Western Conference is right now? That would be Golden State and the Suns. So think about that. You have Suns-Warriors. KD versus his former team in round one. And, and then in the Eastern Conference, you'd have Donovan Mitchell against a team that he should have been traded to, that the New York Knicks. So the four or five matchups in both conferences, if it stays the way it is, would just be absolutely tremendous. But we're leading you into the Knicks-Wizards tonight. Uh, chance for, for them to, you know, clinch a playoff spot. Listen, you got to give a lot of credit to Tom Thibodeau. You have to because he is answering the questions that many of you guys had about him. And and by the way, the idea that just last season folks wanted him fired, one year removed from winning coach of the year, was just insane to me. But all the questions you had about him, he's a defensive guy, can he coach offense? Well, the Knicks right now, the fifth best offense in the NBA. Why does he hate young players? He wants to play as old guys. Okay, well, Emmanuel quickly, Quentin Grimes, Obi Toppin, Mitchell Robinson right now look like they're playing the best basketball uh, of their respective careers. So uh, all of them are young guys. And the third uh, question you have for Tom Thibodeau, unfortunately, can't be answered right now. And it's about once he gets to the playoffs, his ability to, to make in-game adjustments, not just in-game, but game-to-game adjustments that really cost the Knicks that series against the Hawks two years ago. They had no answer to what the what Nate McMillan did to Julius Randle, just neutralizing him and the way they guarded him with a younger or a, a smaller guy, packed the paint and zoned him up. The Knicks had no answer for that. This Knicks team is better equipped uh, because I think they're more talented than they were. Two years ago, we obviously got to wait and see what's going to happen with Julius Randle. He's set to be evaluated. Uh, it was two weeks from the injury, which was what? What was that on Wednesday night? So, you know, about a week and a half, he'll be reevaluated. If he's compromised severely or he can't play, then the Knicks might be drawing dead. But because of what I saw in Cleveland, I'm, I'm starting to give them more of a shot to win that series. More of a shot than I did uh, coming into it. Back to the phone lines. 800-919-3776. St. Petersburg is where we go to talk to my guy, the OG, Spike. 
Hey, I got an OG stat. It's great to hear you, man. Missed hearing you, but you're back. That's what matters. Yes, sir. But I think you think think you misspoke for a second. Uh-oh. Uh you meant uh, you meant Josh Hart, not Obi. But that's okay. No, uh, I, I meant Obi because Obi, remember oh. when he came in, couldn't hit threes, and now he's becoming a much better three point shooter. And he's be and off the bench. He doesn't play a ton, but he looks like the best version of him since I've seen him up here. Uh, I'm not going to waste my time with you. He's 33% from three. He, look, I'm not going to pick on him. He's got a great smile, but he can't play defense. Here's what's happened. Quentin Grimes and Josh Hart are pretty much a similar player, but Grimes is younger and more focused on offense. Josh Hart may be the all-around steal of the life of, uh, of a guy that fills every box. But one, one personal thing. I just watched your Instagram. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you, I'm, you know, we're friends, you know, off the record. I, I got to tell you, it was it was the most beautiful thing. Anyone listening, go to his Instagram and watch his beautiful family. Thank I you. Know, I got on George Washington Bridge with no traffic. <laughs> I got to tell you, man. <laughs> most of the traffic was, uh, is coming from uh, from Connecticut and uh, Jersey. Oh, okay. Coming the other way. <laughs> what, a, what a beautiful. Don't lose that, bro. Thank bro you, have man. that. No, it's just beautiful. Your happiness, I love it. I know it's having kids at that age. You got your hand filled with a loaf of bread with the other <laughs> one, man. That's beautiful. Okay, so here we go. This next ten days for nut jobs like me and you, one's whatever you are, thirty, and I'll, I'm two hundred years old. This Western Conference division, I've never seen a. If you don't have a blanket big enough to throw over all of them, I'm leaning towards the inexperienced uh, Sacramento can't play defense. They're, they're a really good team, and you can't make that leap. They'll do okay. But uh, Memphis is a very complicated dynamic here. I'm not going to go into it all the time, but uh, they're really good. Well, they're good defensively. They're good. they got a crazy guy. they got an all-time possibly great player with complications and a couple other guys. Uh, it's going to be very fascinating. And your Lakers, if LeBron wakes up and de- – not wakes up, if he stays healthy. But here's the thing I'm a little perplexed about. I'm not going to go into the Dallas. That's a whole show how uh, that deal fell through the cracks. It really is. This yeah. is some season – uh, parody. Last thing, I, I really hope this doesn't happen. And I wasn't happy. I wasn't happy as a diehard NBA fan, as you know I am, with what happened in Brooklyn. I really wasn't. It was sad to me. It really was that both of them. I hold them both responsible for whatever reasons. They're both great all-time players. Not disparaging, but I hope Kevin Durant doesn't get hurt again mm. because it appears to me. It just appears to me. I, I looked it up. I could do all the stats that he seems more vulnerable now. Maybe it's his body. Never put any muscle on. But uh, are we really rooting to see Phoenix and Golden State? I said at the beginning, that Dallas, that doesn't look like they'll make it. And and see Dallas and uh, and um, Phoenix beat the crap out of each other. Like, that's stupid because I'm not that guy that wants to punish anybody. Let bygones be bygones. But these next seven, five or six games in the West, yes. man, you can't. I'll give you 20 combinations, and you'll need 100 more to get it right. Great yeah. hearing you, my friend. Very Thank proud you. of you. and. I'm going to watch that video again. Appreciate the love, man. Really appreciate the love. Spike alluding to the video uh, I put out on the Instagram, Ty D. Butler, of me taking my firstborn, Noah, to his first professional game. Yankee game on opening day. Thursday, they beat the Giants. Had a couple home runs. Aaron Judge, Gleyber Torres. So it was a fun one. A quick game. Quick game. This this pace of play, you immediately feel the impact. Uh, but it was a great time to be had. 800-919-3776. Final half hour coming up before we get to Knicks Wizards right here on 9870 ESPN.
This is the Ty Butler Show on 98.7 ESPN. I've got my eyes locked in on this Iowa-LSU national championship game. Iowa was down by as many as 21. They used a 12-0 run to get back to 9. It's now an 8-point game. And it is heating up in the third quarter. 5.05 remaining. Caitlin Clark, she's got 22 at 6. 22.6 assists. Had a 41-point triple-double. Had a 40-point game. And now she is once again lighting it up. So I'll keep you posted on that. Listen, I'm in multiple group chats right now with friends who are all dialed into this game. And this might be the first time I've ever been involved in, like, multiple group chats where they are locked into women's basketball and it's it's just a, a sight to see uh, you wonder if Caitlin Clark single-handedly brought some eyeballs uh, to this tournament just because of how brilliant she's been and she's putting up all, all the worldly numbers hit a, a a logo dagger shot the other night in a, in a crunch time game and you know she's blowing up all over the place social media filled with her highlights and her ability to shoot and it's been excellent for women's basketball. You hope to see this sport grow and there'll be more popularity because it's a fun product. You you watch it, it's a fun product. So uh, that's an eight-point game right now, 446 remaining in the third quarter. We'll keep you posted on that. Of course, tomorrow night we get the men's national championship game between San Diego State and UConn. UConn, the program going for its fifth championship. Dan Hurley, his first. San Diego State, up until this year, had never been past the Sweet 16 they are now playing for a championship. So just a remarkable game. Uh, Lamont Butler hitting that buzzer beater last night. What a shot that was. Men's national championship game tomorrow. Tonight, I mentioned we've got Knicks Wizards. What happened Friday night in Cleveland was absolutely huge. It, it, it was huge. This was more than just a statement win for the Knicks, who without their best player hung a buck thirty on the league's number one defense. That's right. The Cavs have the number one defense in the league, and without Julius Randle, the Knicks put up a buck 30. That was not just a statement win for the Knicks. It was also an absolute gut punch for the Cavs. Jalen Brunson gave you a career-high 48 points amidst all the concerns to him uh, with when it comes to injuries. That was a sight to behold for Knicks fans. You know that you're going to get Jalen Brunson, and if you get him at his best, you have a shot to, to really compete in that first-round playoff series. Uh, but for the Cavs, remember, the start of last or this week, I guess last week, the start of last week, the the Cavs were still within striking distance of getting the number three seed. But then they suffered back-to-back losses to, to the Hawks and to the Knicks, which pretty much locked them into this matchup with, with the Knicks uh, in the first round, who you've now lost to three or four times during the regular season. Now, I'm not a big proponent of getting too enamored with what the season series was and how it manifested itself I can't put too much stock into it because like this year you know the Knicks handled the Celtics pretty well you think Boston's really afraid of playing the Knicks in the playoffs no can't see it the Celtics last year if Steph Curry doesn't go nuts in the finals would have won the championship they were up to one and then one of the 15 greatest players in NBA history put on his best showing, and and if not for that, the Celtics are the defending champions. I don't put too much stock in, in inferior teams beating better teams, especially when those said better teams have championship pedigree and a ton of playoff experience. However, what I do put stock into is a Cleveland team that is devoid of, of tremendous experience. Jared Allen has played in the playoffs. Donovan Mitchell has playoff experience, but in a different uniform. 
this iteration of the Cavs don't have a ton of experience. So when you go out there and you lose the season series and you suffer what was just a devastating loss on Friday night, a devastating loss, uh, I, I think that begins to play on you psychologically. I, I think it's a huge deal. You th- So look at what happened in Cleveland. Well, what are the keys to winning a big game? Be efficient. Okay, the Cavs shot 51% from the floor. Limit the turnovers. They had 10. Get an A-plus game from your best player. Donovan Mitchell had 42-4-5. Hit a bunch of threes. They hit 17. And take care of business at the free throw line. Only two missed free throws. All of that happened against a team that was without his best player. And you still lost by 14 at home. That is an absolute disaster. That is a gut punch for the Cavs. Now the Knicks... Enter this series with a little bit of a swagger, a little bit of a psychological edge saying, listen, we won the season series. We beat them on their home floor without Randall. We can beat these guys in a seven-game series. We can absolutely beat them because of how things unfolded this past Friday night. I was someone who said, look, I'm going to pick the Cavs to win this series. I just think they're the better team. And all we have, almost an 82-game sample size of evidence that the Cavs are just a better team. Looking at the odds to win the Eastern Conference, Cavs plus 1,500, the Knicks is plus 3,000. So Vegas is telling you that the, that the Cavs are a much better team than the Knicks. But when I see what I saw last Friday night, I got a little pause there. I don't know if I'm necessarily going to change my pick, but the Knicks have a chance to beat them. And now it's all predicated on what you're going to get from Julius Randle, assuming he, he, he comes out and he's healthy. But my, oh, my, that that is a, a, a dreadful loss for Cleveland. If you're a Knicks fan, you got to be celebrating because I, I think one of the worst things that could happen, and Stephen A. Smith alluded to this on first take a couple of months ago, you get sent home in the first round again, and this time it's by Donovan Mitchell, who you could have traded for. And that's the, that's, that is going to be the talk that permeates Sports Talk Radio. If we get to the end of that series, Donovan Mitchell averaged 37, 37, 6, and 5 and sent the Knicks home in five or six games, that's going to dominate Sports Talk Radio. If you're a Knicks fan, that's that's one of your worst nightmares. And once again, getting to the playoffs with high expectations and failing to get past the first round. But got to feel good about what happened on Friday night. Meanwhile, as we shift over to uh, the Brooklyn Nets, mentioned they are in action right now. So they've got a chance to lock up that sixth seed because the, the 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 Heat, who we keep waiting for them to turn it on, just haven't done so. They, they lost to the Raptors, lost to the Knicks. All season long, we've been waiting for the Heat to finally flex their muscles. Maybe they just are what they are, 41-37 team. The Nets have a two-game advantage on them in the loss column. And right now they're up 19 at home to, the, to Utah, so they're not going to lose any ground. We're looking at the Knicks and Nets both finishing in the top six. And before the season, uh, we, we had the, next, the Nets as a championship contender. We, see what, we saw what happened with Katie and Kyrie. The Knicks, we had them as 37.5 wins, and you know they, they far have superseded expectations. So you got to give them credit for what they've been able to do. And part of it is, if, if we're being honest— they did take advantage of some disappointing seasons by teams that were expected to, to finish ahead of them. I mentioned the Nets. Who knew that that was just going to fall apart the way that it did, where Kyrie and KD wouldn't even be on a team to end the season? Uh, the Miami, very disappointing. They were a shot away from getting to the finals last year. 
in a game seven against the Celtics. They were expected to be much better. Atlanta traded for DeJounte Murray. This was an Atlanta team that two years ago was in the Eastern Conference Finals. So the Nets, Heat, and, uh, and Hawks throw in the Raptors, too, a team that was expected to be better. The Bulls, what is that? Four, that's five teams that you could have penciled in to finish higher than the Knicks to start the season. And they've all succumbed to their own issues. We've seen coaches get fired in Atlanta. Trey Young might be on his way out. We saw players get traded. A coach get fired in Brooklyn. And the two-star players got traded. Miami just can't figure it out. Kyle Lowry, what's happened to him? And then the Raptors are in all. They were might have been sellers at the deadline. And they acquired uh, Pirtle from the Spurs. So we, we, just, we just had uh, what happened for the Knicks was they took advantage of the situation that unfolded ahead of them. And that was teams that were expected to be much better were disappointing for various reasons. And the Knicks, you have to put yourself into a position to take advantage of that. So give them credit. They're now the fifth seed in the Eastern Conference. At Yankee Stadium today, as we move over to baseball, uh, they get a series win. 6 nothing was the final score in San Francisco. And it was... You know, Johnny Brito, who was the star of the game. The Yankees hit a bunch of home runs. Aaron Judge hit a home run. Higash Yoka hit a home run. Stanton hit a home run. Uh, but it was really Johnny Brito, the star of the game, the most impressive piece of what happened because this 25-year-old making his debut because the Yankee rotation, 60% of it on the IL, 60% of the protected rotation on the IL he had to step up, and he delivered in his first start. Five innings pitched, two hits, six strikeouts. The Yankees are going to need guys who we really have never heard of or had never heard of up until spring training to come in and be difference makers because Lou, Lou Trevino's on the IL. Uh, Tommy Canley's on the IL. Going into your rotation, you've got Severino, who right now I've got no confidence in. He's, he's pitched 120 innings in the last four years. There's more evidence that he's going to be hurt than, than, than that he's going to be actually be healthy. So that's where I stand on Severino. When he's on the mound, he's fantastic. He just can't stay on the mound. Uh, Rodon, who the, the big free agent signing for the Yankees this past offseason on the IL, and Frankie Montas, the big acquisition at the deadline, he's out for the season. So a ton of injuries, throwing Harrison Bader in the, in the outfield. This is not the team that was projected uh, you know, to, to make the run this year. This was not what they had on paper entering the season, but you deal with uh, you deal with the card, with, with the hand that you're dealt, and the Yankees so far through the first three games have took, taken three, uh, two of three from San Francisco, and they welcome in the defending National League champion Philadelphia Phillies, and it looks like Domingo Herman, who threw a bullpen this morning, is going to get the start on Tuesday. So it's a big, nice little early test for the Yankees to start the season. And the Mets, Kodai Senga, got his major league debut today in a win. Five and a third innings pitch, eight strikeouts, three walks, just one earned run. They take three or four down in Miami. You enter the season with injuries to Edwin Diaz, who's out for the year because of the World Baseball Classic, and that's that's just tough luck. I don't know if we can blame him entering the WBC on it. I, I didn't like where that conversation was headed. The guys representing his country and all of these players who were, are participating in it are doing so because they feel like this is something they want to do to represent their country. I'm not going to criticize them for that. It's just, it sucks to be in that situation. It's just an unfortunate occurrence. Could have happened in spring training. 
But anyway, you lose Edwin Diaz for the season. Justin Verlander starts the year on the IL. And this is the second straight year the the Mets went out there and acquired a big-time pitcher who ended up starting the year on the IL. Remember, Max Scherzer last year had the hamstring issues. But for Verlander, it doesn't look to be too serious. The only thing I would say is guys don't get older and healthier. This is typically where you start to see them slow down and become more plagued by injuries. But it is a, a, a nice start to the season for both the Mets and the Yankees, who respectively have taken three or four and two or three. 800-919-3776. Ty D. Butler on Twitter and Instagram. We wrap the show. Coming up next, before we head you into the pregame between the Knicks and the Wizards, right here on 98.7 ESPN. This is the Ty Butler Show on 98.7 ESPN. We're about a couple minutes from Knicks-Wizards pregame. Quickly, my guy Harvey Cruz is so disgusted with his his Red Bulls. So I got to let you give me 30 seconds, get, get it off your chest, because you've been itching to do it. Well, I mean... Fine, 30 seconds. They played Atlanta yesterday, who was coming off a 6-1 loss to Columbus the week before, and they shut us out. They shut us out one nothing. And get this, it's the first time that they've beaten my Red Bulls in the regular season. Wow. They've never beaten us in the regular season in the six years that they've been in existence. The only time that they've beaten us was the 2018 Eastern Conference Finals, which I won't say much more because it was painful, but this game was painful. My mic cut off. This game was painful. We didn't create anything of note. This team is on edge. It's putting me on edge. And if they don't fix it soon, uh, things will go haywire. There will be booing, and um, there will be changes. At least you're not tied for 10th in the Eastern Conference. Oh, wait, you are. Well, I mean, tied for 10th in a league where the nine, you get the top nine teams (laughs) out of of a conference of 13 that That goes into the playoffs. That doesn't sound good. doesn't sound promising for your boys. Not good, Bob, no. Uh, but I, I listen. Good luck to you and your team. I hope that it all goes well for you I, because I do sense that there's a little bit of a, I don't know, I don't want to say negative energy, but you are feisty. You're a little on edge. You're a little on edge today, so I wanted to help you get that off your chest. I know you're a Yankee fan as well. Yes. So at least they got the win today. I got that a shutout. How about two shutouts in three in three games? Should have won bad. yesterday. I don't want to get greedy, but that was missed opportunities. Should have swept this team. Can't get mad at taking two of three. Start the season off like that. I won't go nuts, but you should have won that game yesterday. Had a lead, had multiple opportunities, including bases loaded, nobody out in that last inning, and you failed to you know push across the, the runs needed to win the game. Lost 7-5. to five. Uh, But still a good start to the season for the Yankees, good start to the season for the Mets. The Knicks are maybe three hours away from clinching a playoff spot at home against the Wizards. And you look at what the expectations were coming into the season. I killed them for the Jalen Brunson contract. I've been proven wrong. This guy has been exceptional. Uh, it, it does feel wrong that he wasn't an all-star. Same way it feels unjust that he's not going to be an all-NBA player. It's just that the league is loaded at the guard spot. It, they, there are just too many guards. There, there are like I, I saw Mark Stein put out, you know, there's probably like 15 guys for the six all-NBA guard spots. They're loaded at that position. You watch Jalen Brunson, you think you're watching an all-star. You watch him, you think you're watching an all-NBA player. But it, it, you, you, unfortunately, he's not going to make it. But it doesn't take away from how tremendous he has been this season. Put up a career-high 48, ruling the Knicks, the Knicks to victory against the Cavs uh, this past Friday night. Hopefully, Julius Randle can return and be healthy. Their best player. Their, their best shot at getting a playoff series win over the Cavs. I think that's going to be a phenomenal series. Hopefully I'm able to go to all of the home games in that series. Shout out to Ryan Hurley. 
Uh, but I'm looking forward to that. Julius Randle, heal up, get back healthy. Um, I'm also looking forward to seeing, hopefully the Nets can keep that six seed. We we should have a tremendous NBA playoffs. And Jonathan and, uh, and LA, Spike and also St. Pete alluded to the Lakers. You know I'm a Laker fan. I don't think if you're the Nuggets or the Grizzlies or the Kings, you really want the Lakers in the first round. That's a team that... Creeping up on you. LeBron healthy, Anthony Davis healthy, Austin Reeves, D'Angelo Russell. It's going to be a team that creeps up on you. Creeping up on you is Pat O'Keefe. He's coming to you live from the Madison Square Garden right now with Knicks and Wizards pregame right here on 98.7 ESPN.